the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The State Department says Heather Nauert, nominated by President Trump to be the next U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, has withdrawn her name from consideration. Nauert, the State Department spokeswoman, said that, quoting here, The past two months have been grueling for my family, and therefore it is in the best interest of my family that I withdraw my name from consideration. She was a Fox News Channel reporter when she joined the State Department as spokeswoman less than two years ago. Correspondent Ken Lorman, a top advisor to the president, is indicating that Mr. Trump is ready to use his first veto of his term if Congress votes to disapprove his declaration of a national emergency along the southern border with Mexico. White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller tells Fox News Sunday, quote, the president is going to protect his national declaration. This is SRN News. Mark Levin sees no evidence of freedom of the press. So when the Washington Post runs an ad during the Super Bowl, democracy dies in darkness, well, they should know. So does freedom of the press. They have done nothing, nothing to support freedom of the press. Nothing. Trying to destroy a sitting president. Trying to cover up as best you can. Infanticide. That's not freedom of the press, that's tyranny. Mark Levin, weeknights at 8 on AM 1280. The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio, just past 1 o'clock, which means one thing, have no fear, the Narn Closer is here. That's right, Brad Carlson is coming up next to wrap up a perfect weekend of Northern Alliance Radio. Now here's an update to look at your weather for today. Chance of snow throughout the day, a high of 23. Sunday night looks like chance for more snow and a low of 9. Your President's Day looks mostly cloudy and a high of 19. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer. Brad Carlson. AM 1280, Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast. We'd like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can keep the music playing, by the way. (laughs) There we go. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. And I'm completely off my rhythm here. Sorry, folks. And uh, you can also check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. Feel free to follow along on Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. Regarding today's show content, as always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. I uh, hope you had a uh, fantastic week, uh, Valentine's Day week. Hard to believe it's mid-February. Uh, one of the, we're halfway through the month, and it's already been one of the snowiest Februarys on record. I don't know, I'm kind of a weather geek uh, for some of this stuff, but... Uh, uh, only 11 more days remaining in the month, so uh, I guess that's kind of a silver lining as we'll soon be in the, uh, the days of March. But either way, hope you have enjoyed your week. Uh, there's always a lot going on. You know, I kind of mentioned this in the Narn Show preview. If you go to the Northern Alliance Radio Network's Facebook page, and if you haven't liked us on Facebook, well, why the heck not? Uh, go to the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Every week I do a, uh, a preview of the broadcast, and... Uh, kind of convey what I'm going to talk about on the show. And one thing I, I say is, you know, a lot to get to this week, a lot of news, and but that's true every week. And when you do a show just once a week, typically you have five, six days worth of news to talk about. And whether there's a lot of news or a little bit, you can always parse something together. So uh, I know that kind of seems obvious when I say, ah, oh, a lot to get to this week, but there definitely is a lot to get to this week. And by the way, at one fifteen, our national political wonk, Matt Makowiak, will be uh, joining the broadcast to talk about 
uh, the president's emergency declaration. And also want to get Matt's insights and some of the 2020 Democrat presidential candidates as well. So a lot to get to in those segments as well. But I do want to start off uh, speaking of the 2020 presidential Democrat presidential candidates. Uh, obviously, they're already ramping up in campaign mode. I mean, it's it's insane how long. I mean, it's campaigning for office. It's 12 months of the year now. There, There's no break. I mean, the presidential election isn't for another, uh, my math is right, 21 months, a little less than 21 months, almost two years away. And yet, no sooner had the new Congress had been sworn in in January, you know, obviously last month, than you have people declaring they're going to run for president. It's insane. I, I am old enough to remember, and this wasn't that long ago, where candidates declared maybe a little over a year before the actual election day that they were going to run for office. I remember George W. Bush when he was running for president his first time in the year 2000. I think he declared in like September or October of 1999, barely more than a year before Election Day. Okay, but now we have to endure all this. And and, and with social media, it's it's made worse because it's constantly uh, in our face. The candidates on the trail, uh, you know, with everybody has a, uh, has a smartphone, so you can upload instant video to any social media feed, and we're being inundated with it. Well, occasionally camp, uh, presidential candidates, they have to go on the record and, and try to spin things their way to make their campaigns look good. And a couple of the 2020 Democrat presidential candidates in particular, uh, they, well, let's say were less than forthright or less than honest about the effects of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed at the end of 2017, which looked to give the tax cut to about 90% of Americans. And the two in particular has to do with two senators. And by the way, is there a Democrat U.S. senator not running for president? I, I mean, my gosh, I, I can't believe how many U.S. senators on the Democrats are running for president. It's insane. I'd... I'd I can take off a few names, obviously Kamala Harris and Amy Klobuchar, who I'm going to cite in this story, but then you have Cory Booker, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kristen Gillenbrand. Uh, 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 Bernie Sanders is probably going to run again. That's at least six. That, that's just crazy. So anyways, <clears throat> I digress. Uh, Kamala Harris came out with a tweet this past week saying that the average tax refund is down about $170 compared to last year. Let's call the president's tax cut what it is, a middle-class tax hike to line the pockets of already wealthy corporations and the 1%. Well, Kamala Harris, she's not like every other Democrat presidential candidate since back in the 80s. Okay, well, the rich people, they're just getting rich off the backs of the, of the middle class and the poor. I mean, this is just a tired old line that they're recycling. They're just packaging it a different way. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. Comes out and says, well, middle class, fam- middle class families are seeing their tax refund shrink, while big corporations and the very wealthy are still enjoying a huge tax cut. This is one of the many tricks of the Republican tax bill and why I didn't vote for it. So I- I'm wondering here, are these two senators woefully ignorant of what's actually in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act? Or are they just hoping that the voters are woefully ignorant and they're just going to be spoon fed this garbage as if it's truth, because I got news for you. It's not truth. And uh, Ed Morrissey, Northern Alliance radio network alum kind of breaks it down at a hot air post. And he also cites Washington post fact checker column, uh, Glenn Kessler, who does fact checking for the Washington post gave uh, Kamala Harris's tweet in particular uh, for Pinocchio's, but it's essentially her and Clobie's tweet are essentially the same where it says, uh, the tax cut is a middle-class tax hike, and it lines the pockets of already wealthy corporations in the 1%. Well, first of all, before I cite Ed's piece, if your tax refund is down, I see that as a feature, not a bug. Because why Why do people—I've never understood this, why people celebrate big tax refunds. Okay, that's more money you could have had during the year, but you let the government use it, and you let them use it interest-free. Why? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, we always, my wife and I, we always try to plot it so we, if if we have to, if anything, we have to pay in. And if we have to pay in, that means we don't have to send our check to the IRS or the state of Minnesota, depending upon if we have to pay in for federal or state. 
We don't have, we don't we, until it's postmarked April fifteenth. So I mean, that wouldn't isn't that the best way to do it? To not have to give the government your all of the money that you owe them until the last second possible. So number one, on its face, that's just absurd to decry a refund. It's like, well, most people count on these refunds. Well, then people need to kind of uh, recalibrate their thinking a little bit because you're letting the government use your money interest-free. And, I, and I'll guarantee you this, and this is something that's obviously, this isn't a, a, a new insight or anything, but if people actually had to pay their taxes like they have to pay a regular bill, you know, particularly employees you know, with their withholding tax, if they had to pay, pay it like a regular bill, it would be a pretty big eye-opener, Okay. So anyways, from Ed Morrissey's piece, uh, getting a lower tax refund than usual this year, Kamala Harris argued on Monday that the drop in average refunds means Donald Trump Trump hiked taxes on the middle class. Harris wasn't the only person confused by this outcome to reductions in tax rates, but she may be the only potential 2020 presidential candidate to argue that reductions are tax hikes. Well, no, actually, a couple days later, our own Senator Amy Klobuchar went ahead and argued as such. Uh, Washington Post fact-checker Glenn Kessler branded this hot take as, quote, nonsensical and misleading, close quote, awarding Harris the full four Pinocchios. Yes, the tax refund average has dropped, but that's because four out of five earners didn't update their W-4 for withholding after the tax cuts took effect, as they were warned to do. So that's a, that's a key thing as well. On your W-4, obviously you list how many uh, with uh, exemptions you get. So obviously, the more exemptions you list, whether it be claiming a spouse as a dependent, claiming children as dependents, or if you're maybe head a household and have a relative living in your home, okay, you can claim as a as an exemption. That's less tax you get taken out. Okay, well, under the tax cuts and job back, because the tax because of how the uh, new tax tables were configured, you obviously you had to change it accordingly to kind of dictate how much tax would be taken out throughout the year. Right, And on some occasions, you could have not enough taken out, and people don't want a big tax bill at the end of the year either. So like I say, you want to calculate it so you have just enough taken out to where if you have to pay in, it may be, I don't know, 100, 200 bucks. But if you're having to pay in several hundred, that's a bigger issue. I get that. But even with that aside, tax refunds don't reflect tax liability. The point of the tax cuts isn't to end up with big refunds. It's to pay less in taxes. And that's what happened with the tax cuts enacted in December of 2017. So uh, Glenn Kessler, again, with the Washington Post, labeled uh, Kamala Harris's claim nonsensical and misleading, and he lowers the boom in his conclusion. This tweet combines two factoids into a highly misleading package. Yes, tax refunds are smaller based on preliminary data. And yes, in the long run, the Trump tax cut raises taxes on the middle class if you make the probably unrealistic assumption that Congress will not act to rescue tax cuts for individuals. But Harris presented these facts without nuance or qualification, making it appear as though the smaller tax refunds were evidence of a tax hike on the middle class. In reality, the size of a tax refund reflects nothing about the size of a tax cut or tax increase, and at least in 2018, the vast majority of middle-class Americans can expect to pay less in taxes as a result of the Trump tax law. So, and then Ed Morris, he wraps up his piece by saying, if Harris can't figure out that reductions in rates and liabilities are tax cuts rather than tax hikes, and if her staff can't distinguish between short and long-term effects, then perhaps they shouldn't be put anywhere near the White House. Well, like I said, I have a feeling that she knows full well the positive impacts that these that this law, this new tax law has had, okay? But she can't tout that because Donald Trump is her prospective opponent in the 2020 race, okay? Because you know, Donald Trump, as of right now anyways, is seeking re-election, all right? You certainly can't tout something as positive that your opponent has implemented as, as President of the United States. So like I say, between Kamala Harris and Amy Klobuchar, my bet is they be, they're hoping, at least, that people don't know the difference because people will just see the tangible evidence. It's like, oh, well, we're getting a lower tax refund. So our taxes must have gone up. Well, did you look into changing your W-4s as they kind of forewarn you to doing? Because obviously the tax rates and tax liability is going to change a little bit. So how you structure your W-4 is going to make a big impact. 
And secondly, and here's the most obvious point, when you pay less in taxes overall, you're not going to get as much as a refund because guess what? Your tax liability is lower. That just, that just makes sense. Okay, but again, it's not being spun that way because, well, they can't spin it that way because this is all part of the whole uh, resistance deal. So 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show with any comments or questions. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back in mere moments with another segment on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go no. Americans for Prosperity is getting past the headlines and diving into the details on the policies that affect you. There's a lot of work to be done to make our state a better place to live, work, and raise a family. Americans for Prosperity is committed to providing you with a full story on policies that help improve people's lives. Tune in to Americans for Prosperity Radio every Saturday at 4 p.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot to learn how you can help remove barriers to opportunity for all Minnesotans. Here's another free offer from Lucky Station. Do you want exceptional convenience and still do business with a like-minded Minnesota company? It's Lucky Station Convenience Stores. Larry Elder here with Lucky's owner, Scott Stevens. Don't let the negative news and weary winter weather wipe you out. Come into Lucky Stations and let us brighten up your day, or at least help you see better. Mention AM1280 The Patriot, and we'll give you a free gallon of windshield wash. We'll make your day better and brighter. Lucky Station, your neighborhood store. Lucky Station is a small group of family-owned convenience stores in a world of giant national chains. They have to work harder to earn your business. Lucky Station has everything that the big-name convenience stores have. Lucky's Station, the official convenience store of AM1280, The Patriot. Find them online at LuckyStations.com. Mention AM1280, The Patriot, and we'll give you a free gallon of windshield wash. Lucky Station, your neighborhood store, with nine Twin Cities locations to serve you. It may not require a textbook, but it's filled with valuable lessons. It may not take place in a classroom, but it's an ideal environment for learning. It may not involve a diploma, but it can help prepare Minnesota's young people for life. It's high school sports. High school sports can play a critical role in a student's overall education. In fact, studies show that students that participate in high school sports are more likely to enjoy greater levels of achievement in their academic lives. If you think high school sports are only about competition, think again. Better yet, think about attending a high school sporting event in your community. You'll be amazed by what you see. High school sports, a winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Timeless wisdom, encouraging proverbs, and powerful promises. At BibleStudyTools.com, we aim to provide the best free resources for knowing the Word of God and applying its powerful truths to your life. Use BibleStudyTools.com's daily Bible verse for inspiration as you start each day. Find powerful verses on more than 300 topics that relate to your life's challenges and needs. Verses to encourage your soul, lift your spirit, and strengthen your faith. Visit BibleStudyTools.com. That's BibleStudyTools.com. Welcome back in 1280 Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into the broadcast. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag darn show, hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Well, whenever there's some big national news that takes place, we always like to call on our friend and national political wonk, Matt Makoviak. He's the founder of Potomac Strategy Group and also runs a fine podcast in his own right. Definitely check it out on the web, MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com. That's M-A-C-K, MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com. You can catch Matt's latest podcast where he talks to some of the most influential voices and politicos in the business, as well as uh, links to his uh, weekly Washington Times columns as well. Uh, Matt Makoviak, always good to have you on the broadcast, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy Sunday. 
Thanks, Matt. You as well. Uh, I guess, like I say, some of the big news stories from this past week. Uh, the biggest probably to come out uh, is uh, President Trump followed through on something that he had talked about doing for the past a few weeks at least, is declaring a national emergency in an effort to get a border fence uh, built. They did sign a continuing resolution to fund the government through September with a lot less money toward a border fence than he had been calling for. So the national emergency seemed to be a fait accompli once this, uh, the details of this bill were released. Uh, I guess i got to ask you first and foremost, Matt Makoviak, uh, it's in all likelihood this national emergency will be challenged. And from what you've been able to gather, uh, does it pass legal muster? Yeah, it's a huge question. Um, There have been, I think, 58 national emergencies declared since the National Emergencies Act was passed in 1976. There's something like 30 or more that are currently in effect. Okay. And uh, you've never had the Supreme Court overturn uh, one instance. Okay. Um, if you look at the law itself, it's pretty broad. All it basically requires is it requires the president to notify Congress, and it does create uh, this opportunity for Congress to pass a resolution of disapproval. Now, <clears throat> obviously, the president is going to veto such a uh, resolution, sure. which would require two thirds of both houses to overturn it. I think that's a pretty high threshold. So, I don't think that the <laughs> excuse me the legislative uh, pathway is is the one that he uh, should worry about. It, it is the legal pathway. Uh, you've already had the Attorney General of California, along with some other states, uh, if they haven't already filed their lawsuit, they'll be filing, filing it Monday. I imagine, as as the president even admitted on Friday, that he you know will likely will <clears throat> lose some uh, lower court rulings, and that this will ultimately be decided by the Supreme Court. Uh, it, it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how the legal case plays out. Um, I think opponents of this this uh, this step will will argue the president asked for a certain amount of money. Congress gave him less. Congress has the power of the purse. Sure. Uh, I read an interesting analysis from John Yu, who worked in the Bush Justice Department, uh, and and his basic argument is, you know, if they had said if Congress had said we're going to give you 1.375 billion and you can't spend any additional money from anywhere else uh, for the purpose of building additional border barrier. Uh, then he would be in much worse shape than he's in now. Basically, you you know, the courts cannot divine uh, a narrow you know intent uh, in a law if it's not there. And so <clears throat> we'll see where the court court battle goes. Um, you know, it's going to wind its way through and take uh, several years. He's moving money from different places. Uh, I don't know whether they'll be able to challenge all of it. I do think they'll challenge part of it. Uh, on the basis that, you know, these other programs that would benefit other states or other cities, other areas, uh, you know, will be having money taken away that Congress appropriated. But I think you also maybe see uh, an eminent domain, you know, uh, fight over landowners, uh, particularly in Texas, because that's apparently where he wants to focus. So I know that's a long answer to your question. We just simply don't know where the legal battle will go. Uh, Obviously, it's a fight he wants to have. Yeah, and I, and I guess uh, along those lines of the funding aspect, I guess that would be my next question. You're, you're talking about uh, appropriating funds from one, from uh, different projects to this particular one. And as you alluded to, Matt, the, the Congress uh, controls the, the power of the purse. Uh, wouldn't that seem to be kind of a blatant violation of the of separation of powers if the, if the executive basically takes control of this uh, of allocating money to a different project? I mean, I, like you say, if the power of the purse lies from the Congress, how could this— I mean, I'm no legal beagle, but how could this even be a question if this would uh, pass legal muster or not? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a great question. <clears throat> and one of the things that frustrated me a little bit on Friday is, you know, he kind of did this undisciplined, meandering statement. <laughs> what? Press conference. President Trump, get out. I've never which, seen that before. <laughs> you know, which which on, a, on a normal day with normal news, that would be one thing. Um, right, right. I think in this case, you know, he really needed to be specific um, right. and really be careful uh, because obviously, since he's announcing taking this action, I imagine the courts and certainly the opponents of his act, of the action he's taken, will will cite his own words. And you saw that, you know, this morning on the Sunday shows, the Democrats pointing out that the president said he quote, "You didn't need to do this," and that he was doing it to speed things along. Uh, that obviously underca- undercuts his, mm-hmm. his legal argument. So, <clears throat> there, there, you know, the, the executive branch does have an ability to move some money around, uh, particularly when the Congress. Uh, doesn't uh, de- doesn't deny them that power, and this is one of the kind of the broader arguments that's been been broader parts of the debate that's been discussed recently is that Congress has been 
uh, allowing uh, you know the executive branch to assume much more power uh, than it had, than it has in the past between the two branches. And so that is one of the questions. But sure, I mean it's it's a great question. If Congress says X million for this project in the military construction budget and X million for this you know anti you know narco trafficking uh, project of the Justice Department, you know can he take that money and, and say listen it's going to go to the border? Well, you could argue that <clears throat> certainly. Um, or the narco trafficking piece, or the drug interdiction piece, building a wall, you know, w- would probably accomplish some of the same goals. So sure. it'll be interesting to see what legal arguments, you know, they make. Um, you know, it, it's it's what's challenging here is that, you know, I th- I think you can actually make a pretty solid case that there's a national emergency in the sense that we do not. I think most people recognize we do not have the border barrier that we need in the urban areas. We have, we've started it. He's improved some of it. He's added some of it. We're nowhere near where we, where we need to be. Um, and so I, I think that he's on solid ground in, in the sense that I think it actually is a national emergency. Uh, whether he's gone about this the right way, with the right approach, with the right legal justification uh, remains to be seen. And honestly, I wish I would have heard him give that justification in a much more careful sure. and scripted and disciplined way on Friday. Yeah, no question. And of course, one of the uh, other talking points that's been out there, and, and it's hard to disagree with, is this is something that he has broached yeah, for at least a few weeks now, declaring a national emergency. And, and the obvious question is, by the very definition of emergency, if you're taking time to, or if you're taking the time to contemplate something, uh, it can't be much of an emergency if you're being able to contemplate it for three weeks, Matt McGoviak, by this very definition. No, that's right. And, and this is, again, one of those situations where um, you know, the White House's ability to execute a strategy is is in question. Um, the right way to approach this national emergency would, would would not have been to do it the way they've done it, where they sure. talk about it for weeks and then he announces it. You know, after Congress p- passes a bill that he reluctantly signs, uh, it would have been to use. I mean, honestly, what I don't understand is when one of those caravans was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would have been the time to issue the declaration. Sure. Um, not, and I know there's another one now with 2,000 people on the border being held in Mexico. So, but but you had some there that I think had uh, over 10,000 people at one point. So, yeah, he, he you know he he's really he doesn't really I think understand the, the value of preserving uh, news until you announce it. You know he's very uh, he's very uncareful. Um, you know, you know, in terms of announce, when he wants to announce announce things, and I think that creates problems for the White House and it has here. Once again, we are joined by local political wonk Matt Makoviak talking about the national emergency that the uh, president uh, declared this past week. Uh, Matt, we only have a couple of minutes left in this segment. Uh, I guess real quickly, the uh, continuing resolution that the president did go ahead and sign that will continue funding through the government, funding the government through September. He was very reluctant in signing it. Uh, what are some of the drawbacks to this resolution that was signed? We heard a lot of some. Po- we heard about some rumors of some poison pills that Senate Democrats and maybe House members were trying to put into it. Uh, what are some of the drawbacks of the CR that he actually went ahead and signed? Yeah, it's a mixed bag. Um, you know, on on the on the on the positive side, you know, Nancy Pelosi said zero. She wouldn't give one dollar for the wall. Well, she gave one point three seven five billion. True, and that's just between now and September thirtieth. Uh, they had an increase in funding for ICE. Uh, they had some other, you know, money that went in for technology and, and personnel and things like that. Uh, and all those things are positive. Uh, obviously, it's far less than he wanted. Uh, they're, they're, they were able to prevent one really terrible poison pill that was going to very aggressively limit the bed space available for to hold uh, criminal illegal aliens. So they, they were able to kill... That, that amendment. There was a, a provision, and there is a provision in there that's pretty bad. It basically allows anyone to, to claim that they're sponsoring um, a, a person making an, uh, an asylum request. Sure. So I think there, there could be some real uh, asylum sort of fraud being claimed there going forward. Um, so, look, it's a mixed bag. Uh, he obviously didn't want to shut the government down. I think the Republicans didn't want to see him do that either. Uh, and he lives to fight another day, and now the entire government is funded through September 30th. And you, as you noted in your Washington Times column, uh, I mean, any political party that declares a, a shutdown or enacts a shutdown, as we saw a year ago with the Democrats, uh, the Senate Democrats, when they uh, allowed the government to shut down, I believe, of the children's health care funding, uh, it just it, it's just not politically expedient for either side, as we've seen here, that's for sure. No, it's a loser, and that's clear now. I, I would love them to remove it from even being possible, just have an automatic CR 
uh, that, that kicks in if they don't pass spending bills. You know, I think the other thing, and this is a little bit of a soundbite, but I really think it would it would help. Um, if they, you know, no budget, no pay would be a real would would be a real step in the right direction. If members of Congress stopped getting getting paid if they didn't pass a uh, budget or pass appropriations bills, you wouldn't have shutdowns. Uh, and I think that would be a, a really good step, whether they could ever, you know, pass something like that through Congress. You know, generally, uh, legislative bodies don't like to pass laws that, that uh, make them reform them, you know, the way that, the way that they operate. Um, but, yeah, shutdowns are, are, from a tactical standpoint, a total loser. Matt, we have a hard break coming up. Are you able to hold for one more segment? Sure. Political Walk, Matt McCovey, coming back with another segment on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Don't miss Sandvold Financial Group's Money Talks radio show here every Sunday morning at 9. Sandvold Financial Group is independent of Questar Capital Corporation, member FINRA, SIPC, and Questar Asset Management. Darren College, a former NFL Super Bowl champion, signed the most important contract of his life to serve in the Army National Guard. National Guard for me was a perfect fit. I've had a lot of military in my family. It's a big part of what uh, my family's done for a long time. I want to go out there and make a difference. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I didn't find that in the normal day-to-day life. I didn't find that working behind a desk. I realized being hands-on and being a soldier was something that would keep me active, keep me outside, keep me in that team environment that I craved and that I needed so much. And then the opportunity to serve my community and serve my country was just icing on the cake. I wanted to be in Boise, Idaho. I wanted to be home. The National Guard gave me the opportunity to stay right where I was, serve my country and my community, and it was the best of both worlds. I grew up flying bush planes in Alaska with my dad. I was fortunate enough to get my pilot's license. I wanted to be in helicopters. I wanted to be a crew chief. The Army National Guard gave me a chance to fly helicopters now instead of fixed-wing aircraft. To learn how to be part of the Army National Guard, log on to nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. Grab a cup of coffee and help Gallagher's Army at Lucky Station. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. You know Gallagher's Army provides financial assistance to the families of fallen officers when they need it most, as soon as a tragedy occurs. When you buy a cup of coffee at any Lucky's Station convenience store, they're going to make a donation to Gallagher's Army, the Fallen Officer Fund. There's a Lucky's Station store in every corner of the metro. Find them online at luckysstations.com. That's Lucky's with an S stations with an s.com cups for cops from lucky's stations hi this is tom barrett president of lean partners we are celebrating 15 years of helping minnesota companies dramatically improve their margins delivery quality and generate capacity we'd like to recognize a few of our clients by having them share their story i'm mike kennison vice president of manufacturing at protolabs our core values of achievement trust and teamwork are centered around our key stakeholder our employees We realize that in order to create the most value for our customers and shareholders, we need to first and foremost invest in our employees. In three years, Lean Partners has helped us create and implement a leadership training program that is relevant and scalable across a broad set of our employees. The Lean Partners leadership training program has made a significant impact on Protolab's continuous improvement efforts for both processes and systems, as well as talent development. Thanks, Mike. Are you interested in a customized plan to improve your business performance? Visit MyLeanPartners.com. That's MyLeanPartners.com. Osterhus Bookstore, unusual name and unusually great service. All things religious. Find them online or give them a call at 763-537-9311. Osterhus, that's O-S-T-E-R-H-U-S. Unusual name and a great place to shop. North of downtown Robbinsdale. Welcome back, AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carl. I am the closer, closing out this weekend's edition of Northern Alliance Radio Network programming. And here to take your phone calls at six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N A R N Show for any comments or questions regarding today's show content. As always. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, continuing our discussion with our friend and national political wonk, Matt Koviak. Again, check out his fine work, his uh, fantastic podcast at MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com. That's M-A-C-K, MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com. And that's also the page where you can link to his weekly Washington Times columns as well. Uh, Matt, want to shift gears a little bit to the uh, number of Democrats running in 2020 for president. Uh, is there, I guess the first question is, is there a Senate Democrat not running for president, uh, <laughs> Matt McCoviak? I, th- I think I listed at least six that I know of and probably more are going to get in, I guess. Uh, from your initial impression, Matt McCoviak, of the current lot that are in there, uh, it's very, very early. I get that. But 
as of right now, who do you see having the biggest impact and perhaps biggest fundraising prowess at, uh, to this point, Matt McCoviak? Well, uh, yeah, I, think, I forget I forget exactly how many centers you have now. I give five or six that are <clears throat> running. Um, you know, they have nine nine candidates who are in. I think you'll have, you know, 15 or so, probably before it's all said and done. Looks like Biden's going to run. Looks like Beto O'Rourke's going to run. Um, you know, we'll have to see what Mike Bloomberg decides. So <clears throat> in terms of the candidates who are in now, uh, it seems to me that, that the person who's moved up the fastest and has become the most formidable uh, at least at this point, is Kamala Harris, the senator from California. Mm-hmm. And that, that's for a few reasons. She's obviously female. She's African-American. She's a sort of fresh face. She has an ability to raise money. <clears throat> California has moved up <clears throat> in the calendar. Uh, it's going to be earlier. I think you're going to be able to early vote in California before the Iowa caucuses even occur. Um, and, you know, she's progressive, but uh, but not wacky, uh, which is saying something. Uh, so, and she has raised, you know, pretty good money so far. I think she said she, she announced she raised a million and a half dollars in the first, I forget if it was 24 or 48 hours after she announced she had something like 20,000 people at her announcement in Oakland. So, uh, to me, I think she not only has the fundraising potential, but I think she has the potential to go the distance and be a real first tier candidate. I mean, the other person on the fundraising side that sticks out is Elizabeth Warren. Um, you know, I still think all this Native American stuff is dogging her. Uh, it's a controversy that's not going to go away because it's a character issue uh, as much as anything else. But she obviously has massive lists, massive fundraising uh, potential, massive donor base, ability to raise money from you know small-dollar donors. So it'll be interesting to see what her early numbers look like. Uh, there there has been a lot of intensity for her over you know the last few years uh, to be a presidential candidate. So you know those two uh, those two kind of stick out, but. You know, there's also just a, a large number of, I'd say, second and third tier candidates running on the Democratic side. It's not really clear to me what their path is, how they're going to become contenders. Um, you know, what early states they think they can, per, you know, perform well in. But you know, we're living we're living at a time, uh, Brad, where there's very little disincentive to running for president. Uh, you really have to screw up badly to to end up worse off. Uh, even if you perform poorly, um, you know, you still can get on TV more. You build up lists, you build up donors, you make contacts around the country. You can write a book, you can do all kinds of things. And um, really the only risk, I guess there's two risks. One is you could embarrass yourself if you're not careful, uh, whether something negative comes out or just a, from a performance standpoint. Uh, the other thing that the other downside is running up debt, running up candidate debt. And, um, you know, that can, that can dog you and, and follow you for some time. Newt Gingrich still has debt from his run in 2012. Wow. Hillary Clinton still has debt. Um, you know, so whether that really bothers you and whether you find a way to get rid of it, you know, can, that can take some time, but look, this field is still coming together. Um, it, it's obviously a race to the left and all the energy is on the left, and these candidates are going to have to pass parity tests on Green New Deal, on Medicare for All, on abolishing ICE, <clears throat> on impeaching Trump, you know, you name it. And uh, that's obviously going to be a good thing for Trump that they're going so far to the left. I, so I guess my next question is, uh, you did allude to Joe Biden. He hasn't officially declared, but there are rumors it's a, it's a question of when, not if. And I guess a couple of things on that front. On Election Day 2020, Joe Biden's going to be 78 years old, which would by far be the oldest person to win a presidential election if indeed he would emerge victorious and secondly for the reasons you stated you've got so many of these candidates these younger fresh faces like a Kamala Harris maybe even a a, a Cory Booker Kristen Gillibrand you might want to throw into that uh, mix as well young fresh faces who are trying to move far to the left do you see a scenario that if Joe Biden does get in you have these fresh faces kind of fighting amongst each other and then Joe Biden kind of uh for lack of a better phrase, represents the more sane, moderate option for the Democrat Party? Because i got to be honest, Matt, if if they go far left, like you're indicating, I don't see how that's a winner in the general election. Fair statement? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think he does kind of represent sort of the, um, you know, establishment wing of the Democratic Party, the more mainstream wing. Um, I do think he's likely to run. It's a little puzzling why he hasn't gotten in yet. Maybe he's still trying to, you know, kind of cash in in terms of the paid speaking He's not been wealthy, and so the last couple of years he's, I think, you know, tried to achieve a certain measure of financial security for his family for the future. Um, look, Biden is, is an interesting case. You know, he first ran for president in 1988. I mean, let's 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 pause for a second. That's right. You know, to to, to think about the fact that he'll be running it for a third time, 32 years after him for the first time. <laughs> right. um, it's it's a staggering thing to think about. Uh, he obviously is a former vice president. 
He has he's sort of the rightful heir to the Obama legacy more so than anyone else. Uh, he could potentially unlock some part of that Trump base, that populist Midwest, you know, blue collar, uh, you know, part of the electorate, uh, where particularly in states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, you know, from an <clears throat> electoral standpoint, I think he probably poses the greatest threat to Trump's reelection. Uh, because of that, because I think he could take away tr- Trump's most obvious path to 270 electoral votes. I do have huge question marks in my mind about whether he can be nominated. Um, can someone who supported, you know, wrote the crime bill of the 90s, uh, who oversaw the Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill hearings, um, you know, who's gaff prone, who's perceived as moderate, get, get through the gauntlet that the Democratic primary will be this time, and who also is a white male, which is a you know, real disadvantage in the Democratic Party today. So uh, he, I think he'll have support from a lot of elected officials. Um, I think he'll probably raise you know, pretty decent money. He will have the gravitas that comes to having been vice president. Whether he can really tap into the energy on the left and the Democratic Party, I think, is a huge question. Um, but, you know, look, he's a first-tier candidate, uh, and as long as he performs well, he's going to have a good chance to be the nominee if he runs. Of course, uh, a lot of talk about uh, the issue with the with the border fence, and you know Nancy Pelosi kind of started this uh, was saying how walls are immoral, and of course uh, Republicans wisely come back at okay, well we do have we do currently have quite a bit of border fence up. Do you suggest tearing down the border wall? And uh, Beto O'Rourke, who you alluded to, has yet to officially declare. Uh, in an interview this past week, he basically flat out said, "Yeah, if that were possible, the the, the wall should come down." Uh, I don't see that as a real winner either, Matt McCoviak. <laughs> No, I mean, that's probably a 20% position in the country. Um, you know, you, there are reasonable positions on whether we need more border wall and how much and where and eminent domain concerns. I, I don't know anybody serious, you know, who's substantive, who's sober, that's saying let's, let's tear down what we have now. Right. Um, you know, Democrats, uh, you know, Republicans often call Democrats willing to support open borders, um, and they, they, they ferociously deny, you know, that description. I don't know what is more of an open border policy than what Beto has proposed. Mm-hmm. And, and for, as someone who is from that, that, that region who represents a part of the border, uh, to think that you don't want any border barrier in the urban areas where people can, can take cover in the Mexican side and then take cover quickly and blend in on the American side, uh, it's just, it's, it's, you know, one of the more irresponsible statements uh, you may ever see a former elected official say. Uh, the national security consequences, the uh, economic consequences would be profound. So, you know, um, I, I do hope it's a litmus test question that all the candidates have to answer, you know, um, because it, this is this is one of the problems the Democrats have is they make sort of outlandish statements to try to appear, you know, woke uh, to their base. Right. And then and then you take it to that statement to its logical conclusion. Well, if a, if a wall is immoral, then is existing wall immoral? And you know, Beto's the first one who's basically said yes. Right. <laughs> you know, he, the rest of them are pretending. Uh, they're not going to be able to pretend. That's, that's going to be the beauty of the Democratic primary is that they can't pretend. They're going to have to be honest about it, or they're going to pay a price with their base. And I think the only person who's willing to really speak truth to the base, the Democratic Party, uh, who's thinking of running, is Joe Biden, that I can see. And he has the, the standing, I think, to do that. Whether he chooses to do that uh, will, will be another question. I'll end with this, Matt. Uh, we did uh, hear from uh, uh, kind of a teaser of the upcoming 60 Minutes where former uh, interim FBI director Andrew McCabe indicated that there were meetings at the Justice Department at which it was discussed whether the vice president and a majority of the cabinet could be brought together to remove President Trump under the 25th Amendment. Uh, after that was kind of revealed, McCabe, like when Rosenstein indicated he'd be willing to wear a wire when having discussions with President Trump, uh, kind of backed off of that. But uh, with these statements now out there, Lindsey Graham has indicated that they may want to uh, get a little bit more information. Is this something that we that has some legs that could be brought before a uh, Senate subcommittee, Matt Makoviak? Absolutely, and I think it should be. Um, you know, to me, the fact that if it's true they were they were seriously considering it, uh, having a discussion about the Twenty Fifth Amendment, you know, inside a government, you know, major government agency or or department, um, you know, that's a that's a coup. I, I don't know how else mm-hmm. to say it. Uh, you you know, you can't you can't uh, uh, use the Twenty Fifth Amendment because someone's doing something you don't like. Uh, it's it's literally there for an incapacitation situation a mental incapacitation situation. Um, 
And so, look, McCabe's trying to sell a book, so I, I, I kind of take some of this with a grain of salt. And like okay. you pointed out, he has um, walked some of this back. So, look, I think he's trying to get publicity for a book, and he, he has his own very serious credibility questions. Uh, so, but, but sure, we need to know more about this. We need to get him and Rosenstein and others under oath, find out, you know, firing an FBI director who pretty much everyone in official Washington wanted fired at one point or another is not a reason to, to invoke the 25th right. Amendment. I mean, it's ridiculous. Once again, we are joined by political wonk Matt McCoviak again. Check out his fine work, Mac on Politics. Podcast.com. That's M-A-C-K, Mac on Politics, Podcast.com. And again, you can also find links to his weekly Washington Times column. Matt, always a pleasure. Great information as always. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend, sir. Appreciate it. Same to you. Take care. AM 12, to the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. One final segment this hour. Go nowhere. It's not a question, but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. AM 1280, The Patriot. I'm Jan Hill, helping you understand the times. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez now says she wants to radically tax the rich. Democrat Socialist Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is promising Americans the same thing brutal dictators promised, and those promises are never realized, Ben Stein explained. Stein warned that when politicians promising to punish success in the name of equality obtain power, their policies invariably have terrifying results. He states we have a society in which there are an awful lot of people who have no idea that Stalin, Hitler, Mao all came to power promising the same kinds of things that Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is promising. That led to mass murder, he says. It led to dictatorship and it led to genocide. For more information, listen to our weekend program on this station or anytime at olivetreeviews.org. Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? Hi, it's Mike Gallagher, inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour through the land of Israel in December of 2019. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. We'll learn about the geopolitical, economic, and spiritual dynamics of one of the most fascinating places on Earth. And you'll share experiences that will change how you view the world. Walk the ancient temple steps. Touch the Western wall, sail on the Sea of Galilee, pray on the Mount of Beatitudes, the list goes on. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered. If you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your chance. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. The 10-Day Stand with Israel Tour, December 2019. Join Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher on the Stand with Israel Tour, December 2nd to the 11th. Register at am1280thepatriot.com. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders Roofing. The Lord's blessings are around us all the time. Look for them, enjoy them, share them, share Him. May we also exhort and encourage one another to be listed as good and faithful servants. I really appreciate the guys that I work with, and I'm very confident, especially in the sales guys, Tim and Matt. When they're in somebody's house, they're going to treat them like I would treat a customer, which is with sincerity and gentleness and caring. We would like you to come away from a meeting with us knowing that regardless of where our relationship goes, you are confident that we have your best interests at heart. This is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. We strive to have our standard be God's standard. And we're here to reaffirm something we've always stood for. We're not salespeople. We're just great roofers. Give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.net. Northern Alliance Radio Network is me, Brad Carlson. Closing out this week's edition of Northern Alliance Radio Network programming. You can catch my friend and colleague King Banyan on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. It's the King Banyan Show, Saturdays, 9 to 11 a.m. And my friend and colleague Mitch Berg on these very airwaves, AM 1280, The Patriot. He is the headliner edition, heard every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. I am heard Sundays, closing out programming every weekend 
right here on AM 1280 from 1 to 3. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. And here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. That's hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. With any comments or questions regarding today's show content, and as always, we appreciate you tuning in to our various Salem Twin Cities affiliates. I did want to get to this uh, particular story within the NFL. If you know me, you know that I'm a big sports fan, in addition to opining on politics. So anywhere where sports and politics and culture intersect, I kind of like to weigh in. Uh, Headline from this past week, uh, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed settle grievances against the NFL. This is from an ESPN.com story. Former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick and current Carolina Panthers safety Eric Reed have reached a settlement with the NFL concerning their collusion grievances against the league. It was announced Friday. For the past several months, counsel for Mr. Kaepernick and Mr. Reed have engaged in an ongoing dialogue with representatives of the NFL. Attorney Mark Garagos and the NFL said in a joint statement issued Friday. As a result of those discussions, the parties have decided to resolve the pending grievances. The resolution of this matter is subject to a confidentiality agreement, so there will be no further comment by any party. Kaepernick filed a grievance in October of 2017 under the collective bargaining agreement alleging collusion against signing him to an NFL contract. The filing, which demanded an arbitration hearing on the matter, said the NFL and its owners have colluded to deprive Mr. Kaepernick of employment rights in retaliation for Mr. Kaepernick's leadership and advocacy for equality and social justice and his bringing awareness to peculiar institutions still undermining racial equality in the United States. So obviously I've talked a lot about this particular story, particularly the Colin Kaepernick saga and uh, why he's not getting a job in the NFL and kneeling during the national anthem and everything. And and a lot of my fellow conservatives uh, have some very passionate opinions about this and basically believe that it should be uh, not, I shouldn't say all of them, but a good number of my fellow conservatives whom I've spoken to feel as though that you should kneel or excuse me, stand during the national anthem Obviously, President Trump has come out very strong in saying that players should stand during the national anthem. And my thing is, my my stance has always been, I prefer they do it, but I do not believe in any way, shape, or form that any government agency should have word one to say about it. And if the NFL teams in particular want to institute a rule saying, hey, you will stand or you will be fined, you know, that's, I don't know the legalese of the collective bargaining agreement or the nuances, but apparently it was kind of a standing rule that the NFL has had where you must stand during the national anthem. But obviously it wasn't heavily enforced because a lot of players were kneeling. So this whole collusion allegation that Colin Kaepernick had against the NFL, I don't know ultimately how you prove that unless you literally see something in writing where a couple of owners are getting together and say, hey, let's make a resolve not to sign Colin Kaepernick. Now, you would think there would be probably some desires by NFL teams not to sign Kaepernick. Okay, If an individual team with a very glaring need at quarterback chooses not to sign Kaepernick, you can you can question how they're running their football operations. That's perfectly legit. But this idea that they're colluding with another team in order to keep them out of the league, I think is is kind of a stretch, and I don't know how you were going to ever prove that. I, j- I just don't. And that was the issue, the biggest issue I had with this and how Kaepernick could ever win this. And, of course, the, the social justice warriors and the leftists in sports media, uh, and there are a lot of them, of course, are declaring, yeah, Kaepernick won, you know, end of story. And you know what? He may have. But here's how I think Colin Kaepernick pulled off perhaps the greatest heist in sports history. He has not played it down in the NFL of the last two seasons. So 2016 was the last time he played in the NFL. And since that time, he was named kind of the face for Nike's uh, latest advertising campaign. You know, stand for something or you'll uh, fall for anything or something along those lines. I don't... uh, I, I forget the exact tagline of, of Kaepernick's uh, Nike ads. It doesn't really matter. But the point is, is he was kind of made the face of their uh, of their campaign. And as a result, he was paid handsomely for it. He was paid a lot of money for it. And Nike, you know, to their credit, stood by it, even though it was going to alienate a lot of their customers because they, they didn't like Kaepernick's uh, antics. 
So basically, he made, I don't know how much money. It was a lot. It was a lot of money. And if Kaepernick were to uh, let this, uh, yeah, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, which I thought was a pretty vapid statement because how many millions of dollars had Colin Kaepernick made through 2016? Okay. All right. You, you, you being able to not play in the NFL, okay, you're not living check to check. All right. So Nike probably likely paid him handsomely for being the spokesperson for this advertising campaign of believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And then add to that this settlement, settling this grievance with the NFL. All right. The terms are confidential, but no way Colin Kaepernick just drops this, all right, unless he got some sort of financial settlement. My point is he's got more money from this Nike campaign and likely some sort of financial settlement he got with settling this grievance for the NFL than he would have the last two years playing quarterback. So not only did he get more money than he would have paying getting uh, paid playing quarterback, he didn't have to go through two years of getting his butt kicked, okay? Because when you play a position like quarterback, you take a lot of hits. And as we've seen from a lot of former NFL players who are suffering from CTE, you know, essentially brain damage from all those years in the NFL where they go through what's the equivalent of a, a front-end collision on a weekly basis, that's going to take its toll. And the fact that he hasn't had to do that for two years, yet has probably made more money in the last two years than he would have made playing, and that includes whatever endorsements he would have made, been made playing, because I guarantee you right now he's more valuable to some of these agencies for not playing football than he would have been for actually playing. So this is the greatest heist in, in, in the history of sports, in my opinion, because of all the money he's taken in the past couple seasons without having to endure the physical pounding that comes from playing with an NFL quarterback. So even though I may disagree with Colin Kaepernick's politics, specifically where uh, America is a more uh, oppressive country than Cuba, and him wearing socks that depict police officers as pigs, uh, mad props to him for uh, pulling off this kind of heist, that's for sure. Hour number one in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Hour number two coming up in mere moments right here. AM twelve eight of the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson, the closer. Coming back with none, one more full hour. Go nowhere. Buy four windows and get the fifth window free now from New Windows for America. Replacement windows can eliminate up to forty percent of your home's heat loss and chop hundreds of dollars off your utility bills. And don't worry about freezing while they do the work. New Windows for America installs one window at a time, and it's only open for 10 to 15 minutes. Most homes are completed in a day, and then you can enjoy the rest of the winter with warm, draft-free windows. They have a staggering selection of styles and designs to give your home a fresh, exciting look. Ask about their lifetime guarantee on parts, materials, and labor, including broken glass installation forever. Hundreds of Patriot listeners have trusted New Windows for America, and right now, buy four windows and get the fifth window free, plus 18 months no interest financing. Google New Windows for America today and check out all their home improvement products, including bathroom replacement. Savings end February 28th. New Windows for America. What do basketball, choir, drama club, and marching band all have in common? They're all high school activities that offer learning opportunities not necessarily found in the classroom. They take up just a fraction of a typical Minnesota high school's budget, and they go a long way to giving young people the tools they need to thrive. High school activities, they're more than extracurricular. They're extra important, too. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. remember when we found out we were expecting you and we were so surprised. You were? Yep, but then we heard your heartbeat and knew you were going to change our lives. What happened after that? Well, you grew and grew in my tummy. You started kicking, sucking your thumb, and even making a fist. No wonder I was a surprise. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call one 800 366 
888-336-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. My name is Anders. I attended Liberty Classical Academy for 10 years leading up to my graduation. Upon starting my freshman year at Hillsdale College, I was amazed at how well prepared I was. The discussion-based classes I experienced at Liberty were the same as what I found at college. Many of my fellow students struggled to adapt to the style of learning, but I was already accustomed to it. Liberty has equipped me with the writing, speaking, and critical thinking skills I need to be successful in college and beyond. Join Liberty for their winter open house on February 21st. Visit libertyclassicalacademy.org. AM 12 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.